morning, everybody. I hope you've all grabbed the coffee. It is my pleasure to welcome you to this debate on crowdfunding as a driver for the EU's energy transition. Join the discussion live via the hashtag EADebates on Twitter and pose your questions via Slido. That would be the hashtag crowdfunding. More on that later. This continent is in the middle of a rapid and tumultuous green transition. Ensuring buy-in from the broader populace remains crucial in that regard, as NIMBYs loom over every new power line, wind turbine, or solar power park. Crowdfunding has become a phenomenon in past years, featuring some truly ludicrous or impressive products hitting their funding targets. Could this be applied to a challenge of our time, the green transition? Some public and private projects, when packaged in an engaging and well-known context, can partially finance the green transition through funding support from the general public. Such projects offer a path for both the general public and stakeholders to engage in climate action. This in turn allows for citizens to buy in to this generational change we are undergoing. In the case of professional football, our Horizon 2020 foot funded project Greenfoot, which is also sponsoring this event, develops and implements crowdfunding schemes for renovating stadiums, practice facilities, and related buildings with energy efficiency and renewable energy measures. Think fans coming together to fund a set of solar panels to supply their ever cash-strapped club with cheap and renewable electricity. Is this a winning model? We've gathered a host of experts on community participation to discuss this here today. Normally, we strive for gender balance in our events. Regrettably, on this occasion, we had some difficulties with panelist availability. Nonetheless, I'm excited to introduce for our discussion today Michele Sansoni, a project advisor at CINEA, the European Commission's infrastructure agency, who handles the energy transition in cities and financing schemes for sustainable energy on the earth. They also found fund Greenfoot with that in mind. Then it is my pleasure to introduce Dumitru Fornea, a member of the esteemed European Economic and Social Committee, the Group 2, workers in particular, and Adrian Heal, who is the head of campaigns and media at Energy Cities, who work with local communities in tackling the energy transition and climate crisis. And last but not least, glad you could make it, Oliver Gadia, director of the European Crowdfunding Network. And we're going to discuss this today, and we're going to kick it off with some opening statements from the panelists. Michele, if you would be so kind as to start us off. Good morning. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, this kind presentation. Thanks. Um, yes, indeed, I'm working for CINEA, which is an executive agency of the European Commission and um, uh, was entrusted by the Commission to manage uh, European funding programs in several areas which uh, will uh, support the delivery of the European Green Deal. Um, I mean, you might know some of those programs, such as uh, Horizon Europe, uh, um, the Connecting Europe Facility, the Innovation Fund, and also the LIFE program. And I'm today here to represent the LIFE Clean Energy Transition Program, which is, um, I mean, if you wish, uh, the new kids on the block for the LIFE program. So um, the program um, indeed funds projects um, dealing um, with different sectors which uh, can facilitate the energy um, the clean energy transition so uh, buildings home renovation products industry but also um, 
cities and regions, supporting cities and regions in the transition, and also mobilizing investment and finance, which is very close to the um, debate today. And indeed, crowdfunding is part of what we call innovative financing schemes that we um, we fund through a call of proposals and we have a topic open about innovative financing schemes. Actually, it will close next week on the 16th of November. So we hope really to have um, a new generation of projects uh, um, studying and researching and developing innovative financing schemes, among them crowdfunding, to um, really contribute to the clean energy transition at local level. Thank you, Michele. Uh, Dimitru, over to you. How do you feel about crowdfunding to finance the green energy transition? For us, uh, it's a very interesting uh, and innovative concept. Uh, I must say that I am coming from trade union organization from Romania, which uh, has membership in um, coal mining region areas. And as you know, at the European Union level, we succeeded to establish a just transition platform and uh, in this uh, concept of uh, just transition, we discussed uh, oftenly about crowdfunding possibilities. Um, even the European Commission has proposed um, a contractor was a Bloomberg uh, philanthropy, which um, had as a main purpose to identify opportunities to attract funds in the coal mining regions uh, all over Europe. Uh, unfortunately, until now, we didn't succeed to, um, to achieve concrete results in this field, attracting money from the international markets. And this is why it's very interesting to know uh, what are the possibilities uh, of this uh, concept of uh, crowdfunding and how we can um, create a crowdfunding plan and uh, to find out which are the rewards for uh, uh, the potential investors. Um, our people from the mining regions are very much interested about this concept and we hope uh, throughout this uh, broadcasting we will be able to understand uh, more what we can uh, what we can do in this uh, regard and not using only uh, traditional uh, financial investment mechanisms that uh, we know all to, until now so that is my uh, my introductions uh, and i am keen to to contribute during the the program Adrian, I understand that you work a lot with local communities as well. Over to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Nicholas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my name is Adrian. I'm from Energy City. So we're, we're a network of a thousand cities in Europe uh, that have been working on the energy transition for 30 years now. Uh, and a big part of that energy transition has been uh, community energy, right, which was cemented in the 2019 Clean Energy for All package, where you had people coming together forming a, a legal entity, uh, gathering funds from the community to install renewable energy capacity in their town, right? It's an incredibly powerful thing from a really practical sense because it gives you access to funding that you don't otherwise have, right? The money that's there in your community. Uh, and, and socially, it really brings people together. So that's, that's the, the community energy part of it. Crowdfunding is a little different, but it's really, really complementary. Uh, because it's less onerous from an administrative point of view, right? It's not about creating a new legal entity. It's not going to have, you're not going to have annual general meetings for the people who are involved in it. You're going to do a virement on your phone, send some cash, and you're going to have some sort of return on that investment over time. 
that's that's agreed from the forefront. So it's much faster and easier. Um, it, that speed and ease comes with its own limitations, right? And that's why I say it's complementary. But for something like a, a football stadium where you've got a, a real uh, social driver already, um, I think it can be really, really powerful and help cities build up that renewable capacity within their within their town borders. So in that sense, it's it's a fantastic tool that we should be looking at all the more. Thank you, Oliver. Please go ahead. Yes, hi. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me as well. So my name is Oliver Geider. I'm representing the European Crowdfunding Network. We are a, a business network and industry association based in Brussels, actually representing or trying to represent the, the crowdfunding industry that is growing and shaping as we speak since 10 years. And um, it's not much I, I want to add to what already has been said, but if you look at where crowdfunding really came from, the, the, the first kind of a big big events around crowdfunding 10 years ago. This follows the financial crisis of 2008, where financial markets, banks did not perform the way they were expected. And we had a, a significant lack of capital for, let's say, at least smaller, smaller projects. And this is where crowdfunding has, over the last few years, shown that it can work, that it can deliver, that it can involve communities, but also other investors to drive projects that either need complementary finance or an additional part, a tranche of the financing, or even finance the, the entirety of a smaller project. And that, that makes it, I think, really interesting. Um, but realistically, we are probably not there where this market has been entered the, let's say, the, the general mindset of every citizen, of every project owner. And so we still need to promote the idea and probably also improve the services that this market can offer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Once again, a reminder that at the hashtag crowdfunding, you can submit your questions, thoughts, statements via Slido. Uh, there's a QR code on your screen right now. And I think that we've already hit onto a really important topic brought up initially by Dumitru on regards small communities access to financing to because as we all know the energy transition is particularly capital intensive right meaning that when it comes to financiers capacity to ready that kind of funding sometimes there will be a mismatch between demand and supply on the financing side of things Dumitru, if you could go into a bit more detail on the struggles that your Romanian region is experiencing with access to finance for these capital intensive investments yeah, thank you very much. Um, in reality, are not only Romanian regions, are also Bulgarian, are Spanish, and uh, maybe Czech and uh, uh, Slovakian uh, um, um, regions. Um, what is happening? Uh, these regions uh, are in uh, industrial transition for a long period of times, and they don't have a very attractive uh, regional profile. So uh, was a lot of efforts from uh, social partners, trade union in particular, but also the governments to increase the visibility of these regions as regions of opportunities and not regions with problems. So um, uh, the process was not very easy and uh, was not what we expected to um, attract the attention of the international markets. Always we, we see this huge uh, hedge funds uh, which are available all over the world, trillions of dollars are um, available worldwide 
but they are guided uh, in the in the markets where the money are created and uh, opportunities are done uh, and um, everybody is interested to invest in these regions but not in this particular regions which are uh, coal mining regions uh, um, metallurgical regions which they are in a strong depression for a long period of time so the crowdfunding can come with this complementarity and um, as is based on empathy uh, might be an interesting concept but in romania we have some limitation because of lack of trust sometimes uh, in uh, in these communities and among the people it's a lack of trust to this instrument uh, was uh, during the time was many frauds which has been created but we see that for particular purposes the, the this might work um, now it's a it's a question where whether the the workers themselves or the members of the community themselves they contribute to a certain project in order to improve the situation i give an example for the Giu valley in romania if we will be able to create 2000 jobs actually we will be in the position to have a successful successful uh, just transition uh, process because now in the mines which are operating now and which are in transition process until 2032 we will uh, we have uh, around the 200,000 uh, people working so creating these jobs in another field might help them to uh, to reprofile and to change the regional profile of uh, of uh, of this area so it's it's very interesting to understand from fiscal point of view what can be done but also we need to educate people in this regard that these possibilities exist we have an ngo in uh, in that area planeta Petrila, the planet Petrila, which is a mine in um, in the region, where they try to do this to to reach uh, to um, reshape the regional profile in order to be more attractive and maybe throughout this kind of operation, the crowdfunding can be a leverage for other activities more intense from financial point of view to attract the attention of uh, London uh, markets or uh, Toronto or uh, Vancouver, who knows, New York, so on. So that it's a uh, uh, our expectancy from uh, from this uh, crowdfunding uh, campaigns. So there's a certain PR element to it, or rather an element of showing to the business community that this region is very willing to play ball, I would understand. Adrian, I understand that you talk to a lot of regional entities in their energy transition. Could you maybe give us some insight on how these regions are competing for attention from the business community, from financiers? <clears throat> How would they compete? In, in... No. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're talking about, because our focus is community energy, right? Our, our focus is, is the crowdfunding. So we're looking at money locally. We're trying to get that, that money that's available locally into renewable energies. We do generally aren't looking for, for international finance. The whole point of that of this is it's, a, it's about building a local resilience, right? And by having that, that local investment, whether it's through community energy or crowd, crowdfunding, uh, I mean, obviously there are difficulties in, in, in impoverished regions in, in Romania or Poland or, or rural Spain, there's no question. Um, but where there's a little bit of money, you're getting people who are investing their own cash in a local setup, right? That's going to reduce energy costs for someone locally, right? We don't have locational pricing. 
within the energy market directive, unfortunately. But you know, at the very least, whoever's consuming that electricity, if it's going on a football stadium, if it's going on a school roof, it's reducing their costs. So you're making life in that community better. And those people who are making an investment are getting a return on that investment. Right? So you've got two different groups that are benefiting locally. And the whole idea is to move away from the international fin financier market to build that resilience locally, to build uh, wealth within, within that energy. And from a city's point of view, it's about building resilience and tackling their own climate goals. So that completely ignored your question about international finance. I'm sorry for that, Nicholas. But it's really the point for us is, is about that local city resilience and, and wealth and, and just making everyone better off. You make a very fine point in that I would understand then that the transition is something that for the first time in a long time enables communities to also achieve this degree of independence, right? Because in a conventional centralized energy system, you as a smaller community are almost prohibited from achieving the economies of scale necessary to produce energy for yourself, by yourself, right? I would understand at the very least that the ability to purchase solar panels and install them on your local stadium is something that is for the first time ever now possible. But then, going back to something Dumitru said, which is the lack of trust among some communities and the propensity for fraud, or at least, I mean, given the media coverage of crowdfunding in past years, much of it has been associated with fraud. Now, Oliver, you are probably confronted with these issues on a daily basis, I would assume. Can you tell us a bit about how crowdfunding can be designed to avoid fraudulent behavior? Like, how would this interact? Yes. Look, um, you're absolutely right. Um, look, I mean, crowdfunding has wonderful success stories, and um, overall, it, it has worked very well. But it also has um, really negative um, stories, so um, the opposite of success. And of course, there's a lot of mediocrity as well. I, I think let me also go back to some of the points you made before to, to wrap this up shortly. Um, crowdfunding has been around roughly 10 years, plus miles. Yeah? We, we can fight on the day, but here in Europe, we, we've seen activities there. There is different types of crowdfunding. There is the, the crowdfunding that some of us remember with you know, big American platforms where people give money and then get something in return, a coffee cup, a t-shirt, and so on. And that's that's the initial idea we we probably have in our mind when somebody says crowdfunding. But early on, we already had um, crowdfunding platforms with loans, so basically capital given to businesses, and we had a crowdfunding with investment, so participation in the ownership of the company or bonds or debt structures. Quite, quite sophisticated um, in the same way than other financial markets work. What has happened in the last 10 years is that this financial side has actually grown more than the, the reward side where you just get a perk, a coffee cup, and has shown some, some interesting aspects that also convinced policymakers in Brussels to look at this closer. And we are um, today on the 8th of uh, November, two days away from the date where a European law on the crowdfunding market comes into full effect. It is already applicable since two years, but the full effect is as of Friday, where we have a fully regulated professional financial services market for crowdfunding. 
European law is not um, frequent, so we have very few laws in the capital markets. This is one of them, and it has design, been designed by the Commission, by the Parliament and the Council to reduce the possibilities of fraud, to ensure consumer protection. This needs to play out now, needs to grow a bit, but we can assume that we have competent authorities in every member state that have oversight over platforms that operate in these markets, uh, that um, we will move away from any type of or the majority of the fraudulent activities. There's fraud even in regulated markets. So I think that is very positive. And to also go back to the, the aspect of community, of course, if we have a, a local energy efficiency measurement basically on the roof of a, a sports facility or a school, what we discussed, um, the majority of the, the potential investors will be those that have an affinity to this and maybe also can benefit from it. But under crowdfunding in this new law, this is not longer necessary because crowdfunding is a financial market that now can work across borders. So every European citizen could contribute to it. The motivation may in this case is not always be, I want to support the local community because I may not have an affinity to this, but it could be that I want to diversify my asset allocation and as small as it might be, it might only be 5,000 euros that I have to invest, but I can do so in many, many projects supporting the energy transition across Europe. Reality is, of course, that we have very few platforms right now that are able to scale, so this needs to take some time. But we have already now platforms that can operate cross-border, that are highly professional, and I would assume that the market develops in this direction. And that, I think, is the answer also for potentially regions we talked about in Romania or maybe in Spain and rural areas that are removed from, you know, from access to these types of um, services. Otherwise, there will be a possibility to access them. There's limits, maximum 5 million euros that you can raise. And then, depending on the project, you know, maybe not, you know, the full five million can be raised anyway. This is being decided in the discussion with the platform. So I think it's good news. We move away from the potentially frauds that we had to a fully regulated market that is under the oversight of national competent authorities, so the financial services authorities. That is being reviewed by the European um, Security Markets Authorities and by the Commission, and where we, there will be adjustments to this law, like there is adjustments to every other law. So we look forward for hopefully a prosperous market that can complement other financial institutions and maybe also you know, give an impetus to the non-financial crowdfunding market to engage more on the on the local level. That, that we need to see because this market does not fall under the regulation. So, Oliver, if I stand correctly, let's say I have a particular affinity to wind power. Will there be like a European crowd fund where I can put like, let's say, a thousand euros in and they will use that money to build wind turbines in rural Romania? Is that how it's, it's going to work? Uh, no. So, um, here we need to uh, differentiate between what exists already. So, you have, you know, managed funds that you access through your bank and you say, I would like to invest money. Crowdfunding has been designed um, to be a direct investment. So you as an interested investor, somebody who holds a few, a few euros, you have to identify your projects that you want to invest in. So you will have to look for a crowdfunding platform that serves your market. 
So energy efficiency, there's a number of them out there. There will be more. And you register and you look at the projects that they have and you allocate money to those projects that you want. So you build your own portfolio. Uh, there is no fund uh, possibility. You, you're not just giving money and they do it for you. There is in the pure loan uh, finance world, there will be something similar, but it's limited. So don't confuse it with the fund. You have to be an active investor. And the project owner has to be active in reaching out to its community to engage in order to promote the project. The platform will bring other investors on top. Hmm. Thank you. So, Michele, as the guy that's more on the inside, on the project side of things, is this something that you observe in real life now that the law has sort of come into effect? Are there projects that are already being crowdfunded and the like that are being put into practice as per the new rules, or is this yet to come? Um, <clears throat> well, as Oliver said, the, um, the regulation will come into force only in two days. So, um, of course, that will be uh, an opportunity for projects working on crowdfunding. Um, if the um, I mean, general environment is uh, safer and is more structured and more regulated, what we observe from the um, projects we found about crowdfunding um, is that um, I mean, it's not it's not easy. I mean, the uh, the idea per se is very um, is very good, um, uh, is very attractive. If you tell someone what crowdfunding is and what crowdfunding can do, but the reality is that uh, um, the projects that we found are kind of uh, struggling to find interested uh, um, developers and to um, run a campaign or run several campaigns which are successful. We have good examples. Um, for example, we have a project which is working with supermarkets. Um, and so also in this case, you have already a crowd which are the, the, a crowd which has an affinity, let's say, because are the, the the customers of the supermarket, and um, and so they um, through the project, they, uh, the, the project developers supported the supermarkets to um, launch a campaign to put solar panels on the roof, offering uh, the possibility to their customers or everyone else interested to uh, fund through a crowd, crowdfunding platforms, and in parallel to, um, let's say, work on their loyalty program. So they they would give um, an interest rate, which is higher if you own the um, loyalty card of the supermarket, uh, you will get discounts on the products of the supermarket, you will get free um, uh, charging for your uh, um, electric car, if you have an electric car, um, etc. What happens is that we had, for instance, this project working on different countries and it worked for two supermarkets in Italy. It didn't work for two supermarkets in Spain because they were resistant to the idea, even if the project uh, supported them in developing all the process and all the work for that to happen. Um, I think the motivations are different. Maybe some um, companies or some sector are still a bit resistant to use uh, crowdfunding. Um, we don't have to um, forget that there are, of course, other competing uh, financing sources on the market. Um, and so um, 
yeah, for instance, supermarket might think that it's not a good choice to um, involve their customers and ask their, them money to um, put a solar panel on the roof. Um, I think that could also be the case in the football sector because we with, we talked about that. Um, in particular, um, during a period in, I mean, a period of crisis, maybe um, someone could say, um, we don't want to ask our football fans money for um, uh, renovating our buildings and our stadium because maybe it's not the right moment. Maybe it's not the right time to ask money to them. And they might think you have money to do that by yourself. Why do you ask money to me? So there's a lot of uh, um, resistance on the ground. Uh, the idea in general is very good, is very attractive. Um, but yes, um, the projects are confronted with this type of challenges. You said a lot of resistance on the ground. That has me curious. If you have data, what percentage of your efforts or attempts to launch sort of crowdfunding platforms with different partners have succeeded and how many have failed? And could you elaborate a bit more on the resistance? Because as you well said, on, at the surface it seems like a rather attractive idea. Well. Uh, in terms of statistics, I mean, I cannot really help. We have a few projects working on that, four, five. So it's a small sample, of course. Um, but yes, we, we observe that, that in, it, it is not easy to, um, to make this idea concrete. There are different uh, challenges. I mean, I, I made some examples uh, about, uh, for instance, uh, um, the resistance to ask uh, money to 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 your crowd might might be football fans it might be your customers in a, in a supermarket um, but I mean for me what is what is what is say or in, innovative enough to launch a campaign then the campaign is successful because for instance in in those two supermarkets in Italy then they managed to raise hundred million um sorry 100,000 euros and they realize they they managed to develop the the the, the, the solar um, the solar panels on the roof what i also wanted to say is that uh, i mean we are talking about now a lot about the end of the pipeline so the platform the the project on the platform shiny and attractive and the tool but there's a a lot of work which has to be done i mean um, at the beginning of the pipeline. So what, what, what it's very important is to have a project which is solid from the technical point of view, which is, which is uh, viable, which is, uh, can be financed. Um, you, you have to have a business plan which is, uh, which is realistic. And then you have to work on surveys, you have to uh, work on identifying your crowd, to understand if your crowd is interested, you have to work on marketing, to launch a campaign, et cetera, et cetera. But what is important also, not only for crowdfunding, but for mobilizing, because you mentioned the uh, institutional investors or the international investors, what is important is money is there. So that's there's a lot of money that is ready to be invested. But what is missing is good, and reliable and robust projects to invest money in. So 
again, also for crowdfunding, apart from the um, promotion on the platform, in the um, in the back, you need to have a very robust project, which is safe for uh, uh, investors and citizens to put their money in. If I thank you very much for that explanation. If I may maybe be a bit more pointed, then isn't that a solution to the problem that Dimitrius region seems to face? Isn't it rather than a lack of the availability of money? not so much a problem, but rather the fact that the projects to transition the region seem to be not sufficiently concrete to attract financing, whether it be crowdfunded or from external investors. Dimitri, could you elaborate? Because obviously we don't know the concrete details, but how concrete are the transition projects in your region? Yeah. Um... I want to go back a little bit to Adrian's um, um, remarks about uh, the, the meaning of crowdfunding and the relation with international markets. Of course, we, we understand uh, fully that uh, if we will be able to mobilize a lot of projects in crowdfunding, this can change uh, the situation on the ground. Uh, but the intensity of uh, financing, it's uh, quite big in this region, more than 1 billion euro which are necessary for a particular area. For Romania, this is a big amount. Um, and this is at least 1 billion euro. But um, if we will, ha uh, we said that we have a 5 million uh, euro limitation per project. So this means that you need to have a certain level of entropy in the area if you want to, to have a, um, a result, a concrete result in the, in the field. But the potential is there. So if the people will be educated in this regard, and they will put uh, these small resources were made available. This can change. We saw in um, in Germany has, uh, how has evolved the prosumer uh, movement and the energy vendor, which has been uh, in a way um, planned as a decentralized um, system of uh, renewable energy. I think this is interesting, you know, to develop cooperatives, to develop these groups of uh, citizens, which they want to support each other, and because they share this empathy among the among themselves and towards the region so i think um, this is a very very interesting concept but needs to be further uh, investigated moreover we have um, small producers the agrotourism sector it's a very uh, uh, very interesting concept for them also because uh, you need to process the products. So industrial equipment uh, for processing this uh, uh, um, agriculture um, uh, products uh, also can be found in throughout this uh, small uh, project of crowdfunding. I call it small because now we have also European money availability in, uh, in Romania because we are a cohesion uh, country and we, we have this money available. So uh, many people are focusing now on the uh, on attracting or in absorbing the money which are available from the uh, European Commission and so on all these projects so the the level of interest towards crowdfunding it's lesser than uh, maybe in other countries but uh, we have a lot of good uh, examples in a, 
I saw in United Kingdom was a lot in in France. So we uh, this uh, best practices has to be shared, and uh, this pedagogical effort has to be done in order to uh, um, promote in the future this uh, mode of financing in uh, all uh, all over the territory of European Union, including in our countries, which is doing a lot in this regard, but more using social media uh, mechanisms and not necessary um, um, dedicated platforms which uh, from my knowledge are not very um, known in, a, in, a, in my country. Very fair enough. I mean that sort of goes into the next point with Adrian because I was curious how do you, I understand that you have by now started and concluded some project where you build community energy, where you did the groundwork, where you convinced people of what the project entails, what, it, what benefits there are. Could you maybe lead us a bit through this process of building up this communal, community energy, community spirit to go into it? Um, sure, yeah. I mean, um, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's not rocket science, it's time and it's personal connections, right? And, and so you need something to focus those personal connections around. And so a lot of the times in the community energy projects that we've seen, that's either it's around a school, right, where, where the, it's the school that's going to benefit. So people are motivated to help the school and that's why they invest. Uh, or it's the town who's doing the work to coordinate people who in this town is interested in renewable energy and wants to get involved to develop a project. Um, there's a, there has to be something to, to, to base the, the project around something social whether it's the, the town hall or an institution like a school or an institution like a football club. Um, and, then it's, and then it's just a matter of time and energy. There's a lot, when, we, when you think about community energy projects, you think about a kitchen table. Because there's a lot of people who get together at eight o'clock in the evening after their workday is done around kitchen tables to figure out the nuts and bolts of how do we, how many kilowatts can we put on this roof? How much do we need to charge for electricity to make it profitable and give a return for investors. That's, it's, it's, it's slow, hard slogging work in a lot of ways. Um, but the beauty of it is, is that it can be replicated millions and millions and millions of times over throughout Europe. And we've seen that through thousands and thousands of energy community projects um, that bit by bit are generating in the collective massive amounts of energy. But it, it takes time and energy and dedicated people. That's, that's the, the, the answer to it. So just to clarify, that means that you're borrowing slash relying on the shine of an existing institution which has built credibility and uh, community buy-in over years, decades even? Uh, to an, yeah, to an extent. But, uh, that combined with personal connections, right? It's trust. It's my neighbor who's telling me, come and invest in this project. We're going to do it together. We're going to build this together. Um, that's absolutely crucial to it. So, like, in, I'll give you an example. In Krivici, which is a, a small city in Croatia, right? I was talking to the mayor a couple of weeks ago. He's working with his, the, set of, the head of his city department to build a fairly large solar installation that's going to be funded by the community, right? It's a community energy project. His city manager says, why don't we just pay for this ourselves? We've got the money. We can just pay for it, right? It would be a lot easier and a lot faster. 
And the mayor says, no, because I want the social benefits that go along with bringing these people together and helping to build something. They're investing in their community. The return is financial, ostensibly, but the benefits are very much social cohesiveness within that community. It's really, really important and it's really valuable and it's hard to quantify, but it's definitely there. It sounds rather intangible, but as we know, it's often intangibles that make or break projects. But sort of riffing off that point, Michele, you mentioned the true story of the two kind of supermarkets, right? Is it because uh, the, those two supermarket individuals in Spain and in, in Italy were different levels of like institutionalized entities in their in their relevant communities? Because that sort of it's very fascinating to me that it could so could work so well in one country and fail so obviously in another. Is it because they weren't enshrined enough, Michele? Um, well, in the case of Italy, the two supermarkets were two, um, two supermarkets of the same uh, um, chain, let's say. And uh, it's a chain uh, which uh, is focused on uh, organic products. So um, I think that played a role because their customers were already um, Let's say more uh, um, interested in in this kind of themes, so sustainability in general, because when they promoted the um, the uh, project on the platform, they spoke about sustainability. They spoke about uh, um, improving our local environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Technically speaking, it was production of of renewable energy. Um, it it was um, it could be um, energy efficiency measures to save energy in in the buildings etc cetera, etc cetera. but um, but um, what is important and we said it's the emotional component of the crowdfunding um, and in that case the customers maybe they were ready I mean were more uh, emotionally close to to um, to the sustainability issue because they were already clients of a um, supermarket selling uh, uh, organic products. Maybe in Spain, now I, I don't remember exactly, but in Spain maybe they were uh, uh, general supermarkets and maybe they thought that it couldn't work for their crowd. And so as in the example Adrian um, made, probably the, the, the chief financial officer said, let's, let's just do our uh, um, energy efficiency or renewable energy measures uh, and asking for a loan uh, in the bank as we as we usually do and don't um, don't go through that path Very so you need fair. you need innovators <laughs> innovators or people who know their crowd well i would understand eh? but we have a question this from mark tonkin from the crowd who's a bit curious about uh, regular commercial entities engaging in crowdfunding. He's asking, and this is going to be ultimately a question for Oliver, I think, who knows the industry best. And he's asking whether crowdfunding isn't normally aimed at those who don't have the financial cloud of supermarkets. Supermarkets should be funding these environmental improvements themselves, and sucking crowd money takes it away from projects which can't raise funds elsewhere. Oliver, as an industry insider, how do you view this statement? Do you think he's right on the money or do you think there's enough crowdfunding money that there, nobody can suck it away anyways? <laughs> uh, that would be nice. So I, I think we, we are coming to a point where, where all these arguments are quite important to, to look at. 
yes, of course he's right. I mean, there's always in your own mind better projects than the other one. That's the one that you would finance. And um, when Michele says that uh, the, the supermarkets have this idea that they want to engage socially, then that is also positive. We, we are looking at a market that is basically having three actors, right? A crowdfunding platform under this regulation is a business that needs to sustain itself, that will make sure that the projects it puts online towards its community of investors and a big platform has 100, 200, 500,000 investors registered that repeatedly may invest, not only the local crowd that comes with the supermarket, but all of those as well. So they will make sure that the projects that they receive are analyzed and fit the profile of the investment that their investors look for. There is no clear statistics, but on average, it's not that much away from what venture capitalists would do. Out of 100 proposals that a crowdfunding platform may receive, they will only finance five. Why? The other ones may to be too risky. They don't fit exactly their focus, say industry, sector, or regional. And they need to make sure that their investors get the best project that also repays returns and doesn't fail. Because their reputation with their investors is good projects, right? And the project owner, and we've seen this in one EU project as well with football clubs, huh? Greenfoot, where you have um, great opportunities to go crowdfunding, but it's so much easier to get a grant or a bank loan, potentially if you calculate the cost of running a campaign cheaper. So if the project owner doesn't have the will to engage in this, it's not going to work. A crowdfunding platform would pick this up. So if a project comes that is not financially feasible, where the owner isn't really behind it, just thinks this is the only way I can get money, is unlikely to get success on a crowdfunding platform. So should a platform refuse one because they can finance it themselves? As a business, they have to go with a project that is the best fit for their investors because that's where they make their money. But many platforms have an, let's say, social focus. They focus on renewable energy. They focus on um, whatever activities this is. And there they look, that fits, you know, within their framework. So we have impact platforms, we have energy platforms, and we have really boring real estate platforms that just look at the repayment rate and the interest rate and loan platforms that that finance businesses that raise a short-term loan and can repay this. And you as the investor or the project owner, pick the platform that suits you. Unfortunately, we don't have that many platforms yet that you can just go shopping around. Uh, just a quick fact, we will publish this tomorrow um, uh, with the, the um, Association for Financial Markets. But in the first half of this year, the newly licensed platforms have raised in total around 600 million euros. Not all of this will be linked to the new regulation there will be other funds flowing into this but that is a ballpoint figure so if we can reach as an industry in the first year one mil one billion and hopefully in five years we can reach 10 billion and then at that point you have the choice right if you have a project that is a bit unstable there will be a platform that will choose you and if you are a supermarket that doesn't want to take spend the time you go to the bank or you find the platform that helps you today this is difficult yeah and today, the alternatives, be it private finance or bank finance, are still there. And the, the 
uh, interest rate scenario that we have right now with rising interest rate does not necessarily help crowdfunding because it doesn't get cheaper either. Uh, investors also want to return, so the interest rates on crowdfunding platforms rise as well. Um, it's it's quite interesting to to look at this, um, but understand it as a business piece. Uh, crowdfunding platforms are not social entrepreneurs that do it out of the heart. They need to pay their staff. They need to pay the technology. They need to pay the legal adjustments. They have to lawyers. They have a supervisor authorities that comes and looks at them. So that is incredibly costly to maintain this compliance. And that needs to be earned through crowdfunding campaigns. Okay. If you say it's so costly, then why don't communities just create a separate legal entity as Adrian is proposing and just circumventing your platforms entirely? Could you give us an insight on what it entails to set up your own entity and just create community itself, energy itself. Because if Oliver is saying interest rates are high, our legal costs are rising with all this new EU regulation, what would you tell your members? What should they opt for? Adrian, sorry, if I wasn't being clear. Yeah. Um, there are two different things that can do, that can do different things. And they, they can both use renewable energy and reduce CO2, which is great. But the, 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 like the, the, the interest rates rising that affect crowdfunding, that's the same for community energy, right? I mean, it's, it is a social enterprise, but no one's donating, right? They're not doing it primarily for the return, but there has to be some return. Um, so in, in that sense, it, they're in the same boat. Yes, there's more admin with uh, community energy for sure, where you, you've got a legal entity and you're doing annual general, general meetings, but you're also probably doing more things to tackle energy poverty and you're, you've got a more social approach to things that, that you're trying to, you're not just looking at the number of kilowatts you can get onto a, a roof. You're trying to achieve some sort of social goal at the same time. Um, so crowdfunding, I, I have no doubt that there are uh, technical things that you have to pay for and there's compliance and everything else. But it's still that much easier for the people who are investing. Um, and, and so in, in that sense, I think they're, they're, they're complementary. Hmm. So you're saying there's a trade-off between ease of use at maybe a slightly higher cost relative to process costs that come from setting up all the relevant entities yourself? If I understand you correctly, I think that's fair, Oliver. Would you do you think that's fair? Yes, I, I think you you need to um, so f so first by law you're not allowed to just go out fundraising. Uh, you know, um, there, there's a process. If you want to have a public call for money, you want to put it on a poster in your local community. Invest here. That only works through regulated platforms. Um, if you want to go privately. It's different. Then you go basically from door to door and talk to the people that you know. That's huge effort as well, right? You still have some cost. You may not have the trust. So this is depending on where you are and how much money there is and how well Adrian is connected or the people in the community. This might be an option, right? If you have a lot of wealthy people there, they say, oh, like, no, give me, you know, 500,000 euros. And maybe you get 10 people who do this. You don't necessarily need a platform, but you do it privately you're not achieving the goal of helping everyone locally to participate in the social action. So for that, you would use a platform. Um, to set one up, 
I think it used to be quite quite easy. Um, there are technical service providers that will provide you with the, the software. You just pay a fee. They're not all very good, but they work. But now when we talk about financial services, then it becomes more complicated because you need to have a license. And if you will find a technology provider that also has a license and you can do it on top of their license, there's a risk you will have to pay for it. Um, the reason we do it is because for the individuals, be it in that community, the only way to directly invest in one of these projects is either through a private funding round where you have maybe not enough interest to do this or through a public call like crowdfunding. And that crowdfunding is the only one there you can do it unless it's a donation. So there is no real alternative, right? If you want to do it public, you need to go this way. If you want a donation, you go a donation. If you want to do a private funding round, then you have a fundraiser, you meet in town hall, you collect checks from people, and then it's that. I believe that would work in small settings, maybe in, in Romania where the costs are not high. But if the cost is high, if you have an um, energy efficiency project with a you know, size of 7 million euros, you may raise 3 million from the bank, you may get some big checks from you know local businessmen, and you may raise 1.5 million from your local citizens and others through crowdfunding. And the mix then, that is what it is doing. And there's also public funds that even could go alongside with this, which makes it very interesting. And that's what we have to look at it. It's not the solution for everything. It becomes part of the mix. And some projects will be fully financed like this. But in many, it just becomes, let's say, the token to interest the community, to help them along. Yeah, We see this in France where you have big energy projects where developers go to the bank but then a small part goes through the crowd and the local community has involvement and the local community feels engaged and sees it as their own, even though maybe their investment share is just a minority. They have a different look at this whole development than if they don't participate at all. And that is what I think makes the community part with the supermarket, with a potential football club that would do this, with anyone who say, we want to engage with our community, we want to make them believe and be part of our activities, but we understand they don't finance all of this and they don't have the money and they shouldn't take the risk, but we and we bring them into this whole community. I think for, for regional development, for, you know, for community development, this is a fantastic opportunity, but it's a lot of work. And I think Adrian can, you know, if you just think about setting up an energy community, that's already a lot of work. And then if you have to mobilize that to also finance this in a way like this, that means dedication. It needs an entrepreneur. That needs somebody who really wants to do this. But then you have a project, and then you will find a crowdfunding platform. Okay. Dimitri, Adrian and Oliver have now sort of both made their sides of the pitch. Take us with you to your next conversation with a given mayor who is asking you for advice. You're, you've just come from Brussels. They want to set up um, some amount of green transition project in their town, and they ask you for advice on how to finance. Going out of this conversation, what would you advise this mayor they should do? Hmm. To increase, of course, uh, their relationship with the community. First of all, it's trust, because in Romania, we had some um, pyramidal schemes during the transition period, which uh, ruined the trust among people. So we saw how the 
the state authorities has been involved in uh, in this uh, scandalous uh, affair, so which um, uh, destroyed a little bit, uh, even not more, uh, the trust of people. So this is the main aspect, the trust of the people. The second is the skills. You need to have some skills. What has been said by Adrian and by Oliver are people which they know what they are talking about. It's, uh, we, uh, I don't know if it's a uh, uh, rock and science, or, but it's something about financial market, financial education. You need to understand how this is working. At least you need to read the legislation in the field and to establish uh, uh, something which is according to the laws and to not be <laughs> near to the laws. So that it's uh, it's very important uh, for uh, for the community. And afterwards, it's to involve the right people in this campaign. It uh, uh, was said, we have uh, technological support, but also we have people which are working in this field. So I need the level of expertise which Adrian and Oliver, they have. It's very important for, the, for this community, but I imagine our people there which are operating. I know we have the uh, Federation for a Development of Civil Society organizations, and which is working with Marshall Fund, with other organizations, Concord, and so on. They are uh, they are working on uh, on uh, on these concepts, and they can support uh, uh, the the mayors and the uh, authorities to to work in this field. A lot of education has to be done. Seems to be like a social engineering. Of course, in the United States, social engineering is in the, a little bit uh, prerogative, but in Europe, we know that the social engineering it's a the mechanism. And the social technologue might be a crowdfunding uh, manager because. Because as has been said by Adrian, uh, we are uh, targeting here the, the, to strengthen relationships in the community. And I, I agree that it's a soft power, which uh, is very important from many points of view. But let's um, be honest, can be also manipulated by the, the political uh, factors sometimes. They give you the impression that they support you, but in reality, they might have uh, a political objective and which is not shared by all the members of uh, the crowdfunding uh, community. So uh, are many lessons to be drawn, but uh, it's important to communicate to the local authorities and to people in the community, trade unions, organized civil societies, to that this instrument, it's available, it's regulated at the European level, and are specialists out there, which they can help them in, uh, in this kind of uh, project. And as many projects of this, we will be able to attract, to, to initiate, would be better for our communities. So that is my lesson from uh, from this uh, broadcasting. Very fair. I think that's almost a closing statement, sadly, or thankfully, actually. We're not even near the, or we're slowly approaching the end, but we're a bit far off. But given what you said, I mean, you very much summed up all the factors that go into it. Michael, I was wondering, would you say that there's enough support from Brussels, by the EU, by Senia and similar agencies for would-be communities that want to do these kinds of activities, whether it be crowdfunding or an energy community set up like, is there sufficient support? Um, hopefully so. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would say yes, and I hope that um, uh, people on the ground agree on that. Um, but indeed, I mean, uh, the program that I uh, follow, so the Life Energy Transition programs, gives a lot of support to um, to cities and regions, uh, to um, homeowners, um, to um, facilitate the energy transition. I think I wanted to say that yeah, the energy transition is uh, is really a huge challenge. So there's a lot of 
different sectors of the economy who need to work together. And what I, um, I mean, what is important and what I understand is more and more important now at city level, at local level, is that this energy transition needs to go even street by street. So I think crowdfunding compared to other uh, uh, financing schemes has this uh, um, incredible opportunity to uh, engage and involve the people in what the what the vision of the city is and what the vision of the region is so for me it's uh, um, it's very important but on the other hand we don't have to think that it's the only way to um, deliver the energy transition of course it is a complementary instrument i think we use this word many times but compared to the other instrument i think it has this incredible opportunity of mobilizing people and not only mobilizing finance private finance but mobilizing people and we we are uh, we are uh, offering support through funding programs to project developers who want to try that and because it has challenges it has risk and so i think european funded programs can provide a test bed for project developers to try uh, an approach to see if it is working, to see if it can be improved and how it has to be improved to work. So, yes. Very fair. But that would lead me to a comparison with existing EU funding, meaning that, for example, I think Next Generation EU has a 1.5% amount of the funds allocated for so-called administrative assistance, where there's consultants brought in to help spend the money, to help administer, administer the money. Is there similar policies in place to ensure that something similar is happening with crowdfunding efforts slash uh, energy communities, Michele? Um, well, I think um, what is important to understand, uh, and I think I want to follow up uh, um, on what Dumitru said, it's the um, this challenge of um, building the capacity and skills of people who need to actually develop projects and deliver the transition at local level. So indeed, there needs to be money, which is for uh, so-called technical assistance. I mean, that's that's very important because uh, um, these kind of instruments need um, a specialized approach, specialized skills. And so um, we also provide money for technical assistance. It can be in the form of uh, money to, let's say, prepare and develop a project which is then ready to be financed after the end of the uh, EU fund. This is called project development assistance in our case. Um, there is also uh, an instrument which is called ELENA from the European Investment Bank, which does a similar thing, but then the scale of the investment is, uh, is a bit different. So ELENA goes for... Uh, big big tickets a big uh, uh, bigger amount of uh, investments our project development assistance um, facility goes for smaller but when i speak about small and big it is still bigger than the project that we discussed about for crowdfunding at local level so um, it's for instance 15 million euros that's a small project but we also offer uh, another instrument which is a uh, um, which is called European City Facility. So it open, it's open to um, cities which want to, um, let's say, make the first step 
and overcome the barriers in uh, financing their uh, uh, energy transition projects. Uh, it is actually, um, this uh, facility is actually managed by energy cities, so Adrian knows it very well. Uh, and it gives a small amount of money, so 60,000 euros, which is a small grant. You can say maybe it's too small, but it's not actually i mean the reality is that it's not it's enough to make a first step to overcome the barriers to uh, acquire the capacity which is needed to um to transform your uh, vision your strategy your energy plan into concrete projects perfect i think that means we're headed for the finishing lane and I think we'd start with concluding statements, leading with Oliver. Just a quick interjection. I got a question from the audience, Beziana, who's asking about the crowdfunding regulation, which will take effect. Could you just maybe tell us the concrete name so they can Google it or something? Thank you. But Oliver, off to you for closing statements. Yes, of course. So the, the regulation, um, you, if you Google it in, in English at least, it's the European Crowdfunding Service Provider Regulation. Um, the, the Commission has a, or the, the European Union has a website, EU Lex, where you would find the legal texts. There are um, additional texts that have been published by the European Banking Authority and the European um, uh, Securities and Markets Authorities that also filter into this. But um, you can look it up. There's some statement on websites like ours, but I think, um, yes, it's it's a legal text. It's not easy to comprehend. Um, so I think for that, that otherwise, you know, maybe get in touch. Um, my closing statement to this would be, I mean, you know, for, for our industry, this, this regulation is a game changer or it's supposed to be a game changer. It's supposed to professionalize the industry and, you know, remove the threat of, let's say, illegal activities on the market, remove bad players from the market and we see the market will shrink. Um, but that's just the beginning. Um, all these aspects that we talk about here, they're, they're you know, to, to build a local community, to have projects that are engaged, that understand how how it's being done. This still needs a lot of education. And I think the market will can only grow as fast in the in the social area where you know we have also actors on the social side that want to engage with this. And so that um I don't know if we as an industry can solve this alone, uh, but we know that the European Commission has had over the years many activities supporting this. Um, but it cannot be the role of the European Commission to do this. I think that needs to be done also on local level. Uh, we know that in some member states there's a, also support and there, there's regional authorities and, and um, institutions that really work on this and develop new new opportunities to also co-invest from the, the local government side. But it's um, not yet, let's say, a broad effort across the European Union. I think that is what we will need. And... Um, I would also just add for caution, um, not everybody wants this, not everybody will support this, and not every you know renewable energy project wants to go down this lane. So you know let's let's see it as what it is. It will be um, a fantastic opportunity for some that are ready to take the step and then ready to to go public and seek small investors and engage with them on a different level. And hopefully that will you know enable also those that otherwise are cut out of financial market access to at least have this opportunity and, and engage there. So thank you very much for having us. And we are looking forward for the next five years of developing this market. I think that will be very exciting.
Thank you, Oliver. Off to you, Dimitri. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what I can say, we have um, a wonderful technology in the front of us. Uh, the blockchain technology can improve a lot the security of this uh, operation or of these activities. Um, we have um, a raising level of uh, social consciousness in, uh, in many countries, including in Eastern European countries. We have a huge uh, diaspora. Uh, in our case, in Romania, we have 4 million Romanians which are working outside um, uh, Romania, which uh, can be potential crowdfunder <laughs> in, uh, in the in the futures. So um, uh, we have uh, a lot of hope regarding this concept. But uh, as has been said, we, uh, we need to consolidate trust in our communities. We need to know better which kind of regulation are applied. And we need to prepare uh, the people that are able to uh, carry on this kind of uh, crowdfunding uh, projects. Moreover, the government also has to be supportive. The European institutions also has been said. Uh, so um, uh, let's uh, look very closely to this uh, concept. Let's raise the level of entropy throughout our uh, continent Europe, it's a um, particular important area in this sense in uh, in over the world. So um, it, during the time uh, we will be able to to see uh, the results of these new regulations and also of these new attitudes towards crowdfunding. Thank you very much, Michela, if you would. Yeah, I mean. Um... Fully agree. I think we need to work on that. We need to develop this market. We need to test the approaches that work better. Um, we need to give support to the developers who want to um, try this on the ground. Um, I think it's a it's a very good instrument. Uh, it's an inclusive instrument, um, and it's I think um, what is very important for me. Uh, um, it's an it's an instrument. It's a financing scheme, which can really help to build this trust, which is not only in Romania um, sometimes missing between the um, citizens and the um, public and private stakeholders, which are um, which has which have to contribute with projects to the energy transition. Thank you. And last but not least, Adrian, the man on the ground, the man who's traveled to a hundred municipalities. What, ha what have you got for us? Um, <clears throat> kind of you to say. Um, I would say that crowdfunding is in the same place that a lot of the energy transition is. Here in Brussels, we spent the last four and a half years developing different legal frameworks, developing targets, developing approaches, it's due time. We're approaching due time. We're gonna have a new commission. We're gonna have a new parliament. There's a lot of national elections. It's time to take all of these tools and to really start using them. And that is gonna be the challenge for crowdfunding, for community energy, for the wind sector and for everyone else. Um, that's gonna depend a lot on national governments. That's no getting around it. We've set up, we've got the tools. Um, it's up to us whether we use them or not. It's due time. I think that is something that we've been telling ourselves for years now. 
but maybe ever with every increasing year it's becoming ever more true. I've learned a lot. Thank you all for participating. I think that we've been able to hammer out some of the fine points, highlight some of the key challenges that are facing crowdfunding as well as more local green transitions and community buy-in. Um, this has been hashtag EA Debates. You can find us on Twitter at @uractive under this hashtag. You can find us on Blue Sky at @uractive as well. And I'm very grateful to you all for participating. Thank you for submitting your questions. Sadly, the questions that were submitted now are too late. I think we're done with this discussion. This has been this morning's debate. And I bid you all a great day. Goodbye.